It's a state of being, a frame of mind. It's a most befuddling thing. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Mouse Madness, a podcast dedicated to bracketing all things Disney. I'm Chris Bowersox. And I'm Kyle Skinner. And we are your hosts for Mouse Madness. Each episode will focus on a single Disney topic, generate a bracket, and debate our way through the madness to figure out who or what is truly the best. Follow us and play along on Instagram at Mouse Madness Pod. Send us an email at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com or support us on Patreon by becoming a member of Jerry's Gang at patreon.com slash mousemadness. Kyle, uh, we're back. I don't have a pink elephant tattoo quite yet. Yet. I don't know. You're gonna if, get one. I yeah. don't know if people made it all the way to the end of our last episode, but if you don't know what I'm talking about, go check it out. Go check it out. Um, we're back talking about terrible Disney songs, yeah. and this was a really fun um, bracket for me to research. I guess if you want to call it that, sure. I love putting together like a little um, Disney playlist. Um, and I especially love sort of like going back and listening to Disney music throughout many years of not just like Disney history, but like American history. Sure. Because a lot of it is sort of like inspired by trends of the time. Like we talked last episode about a Rob Thomas Matchbox 20 <laughs> song in, in Meet the Robinsons. So I ended up going down like a little mini Elvis rabbit hole, going down a little mini queen rabbit hole. Uh, And so I just, I don't know. I think in a lot of ways, like Disney history, Disney music history is just music history. Oh, totally. I, everything about the Disney company and the media that they create is so of the time. They were all trying to just resonate with the audiences that were going to be seeing their stuff. And then Walt really tried to predict throughout like the parks initiatives. So like very much contemporary pieces of work, even if they're taking place in like the Renaissance, right? Like we can still have this quote unquote, like contemporary live forever sort of uh, sleeping beauty suite, but we are going to make it these songs that you might hear on the radio today. Uh, And they've tried to do that over and over again. And they, they try to tap into that pop culture stuff with getting, you know, 98 degrees on the Mulan soundtrack. Uh, they try to get uh, sync on the Tarzan soundtrack. Like, they've always wanted to do that. But one thing that you always forget from these Disney songs is it's not all the Mankin stuff. It's not always the Sherman Bros stuff. Some of those early films have some absolute bangers. But a lot of them also have some really bad songs. So I've, it's <laughs> been fun to, to dive back into that. And diving back into this discussion with us is returning guest host Mandy. Mandy, welcome back for part two. Thanks. Thanks. Excited to be here. Do you have a song in the Disney catalog from any movie, maybe even the parks that people love that maybe you don't love so much? Is there a song that like, eh, I don't really get the hype around that? Oh, my gosh. I'm going to have to have a real think about that. I know I shared my Miss the Dances. Um I'd say, uh, you know, actually, um, because of my trauma, and I know that we've talked about this before, the Haunted Mansion soundtrack, I know people go hard for. Personally, not a huge fan. And I'm also not a huge fan of Danny Elfman. So Whoa. when they go to the holidays, I'm like, mm, I'm good. Uh, so actually, I'd say that's probably my most controversial like Disney music opinion. 
Uh, not a big, not a big Danny Elfman fan. So Nightmare Before Christmas, I'm kind of like, um, I'm good. So dang, I like that. I I like it. I like the the heat there because I think that we all just kind of assume that Nightmare Before Christmas is all all good. And I think <laughs> I think that a lot of it is good. But I'm appreciative that there's somebody in the world who is like, no, not into it. <laughs> yep, not the person's me. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Chris, you you must have a song outside of like the the recent stuff. Like, let's think yeah, about some of the yeah, like bigger I, songs. I mean, I wouldn't say there's any that people are like, "Wow, I love that song," and I'm like, "Wow, that is literally the worst song I've ever heard." But I think that um, Hakuna Matata. It's good. I pick. just can't wait to be king. A lot of that Lion King stuff, mm. I am not as fond of. I I grew up watching Lion King too. Like I have the nostalgia for it, but just compared to a lot of other Disney movies, I just think there's others that do it do it better than Lion King. I think Circle, sure. Circle of Life is really good, but but the rest of the Lion King kind of it's just I it's just yeah. I yeah like it's usually generally a skip for me the Lion King songs if I'm doing like a Disney Super Shuffle. Sure, I think for me. And this was a huge realization when we we're at Walt Disney World watching Fantasmic is Into the Unknown from Frozen oh, 2. Wow. Mm. I like, I can't stand that song. That is like wow. an unlistenable song for me because it just, it feels like it just doesn't make a lot of sense musically to me. And yet we're sitting there in the Fantasmic, not even stadium amphitheater, biggest thing I've ever seen in my life. And there's an Elsa bit in there in which she sings into the unknown and people were losing their minds. I was like, as if she was singing, let it go. <laughs> I was like, this is the, I don't even think this is a good song. So I, that's probably, that's probably one of mine for sure. Um, but we've got, we've got a lot of bad songs that we've been talking about, both controversial and just poorly written. Uh, and let's dive back into it. But first let's talk Spoonful of Sugar. Chris, uh, what you got for part two? Yeah, I'm I'm rocking a beer. So we actually Whoa. had yeah, crazy. We <laughs> had Julia's dad over a few weeks ago, nice. uh, and he's like a, a beer drinker. So mm-hmm. we were like, "Is there any beer that like you like that you want us to have for you?" So we were gonna do like a little charcuterie, mm. uh, munch and gulp session before we went to <laughs> dinner. So he hit us with his. Allegedly favorite beer. It's called Two Hearted. I don't know if you've ever seen these like around the grocery store, but there's like a fish. It's like a bass fish on it. No. Uh, Two Hearted IPA from Bell's. Bell's brew. Bell's beer. Huh. Brewed and canned by Bell's Brewery in Comstock, Michigan. Okay. Um, <laughs> Julius dad lives in Washington D.C. He has no tie to Michigan whatsoever. So I was really confused when he was like, yeah, I love this two-hearted IPA. Uh, it would be like someone who lives in Nebraska being like, yeah, just 805. Like, that's yeah. my that's my jam. <laughs> right. uh, so I've never tasted it before, but I poured myself a little bit into my brand new uh, Trader Sam's Zombie Tiki Mug. Yes. Holla, holla, holla. I used to own a Trader Sam's Zombie, but it was like brownish mm-hmm. and it had the um uh glaze right finish and i moved several times since uh i got that one and i donated it because i was like i'm not super jazzed about it but this zombie mug is blue 
Yep. It's got the matte finish that I love on a tiki mug. Mm. Uh, it's freaking awesome. Yeah. So I'm going to go ahead and sip. Get, we're giving the two-hearted IPA a shot for Joe Paladino. Here we go. Oh, man. Mr. Hey. Sour himself is taking an IPA sip. Oh, oh, oh. I really don't like that. Okay. I really, <laughs> really, really don't like that. Yeah, that, that's that really to be expected. Bad. That's really not good. To be expected. Uh, uh, oh. Sorry, Joe, but uh, not my thing personally. All right. Um, I am also rocking my turn down for Walt shirt. <laughs> oh uh, my that, God. That uh, Kyle bought me to wear at Epcot. Um, and lo and behold, I still have um, a little salsa uh, hey. um, on that Ooh. shirt. It did not come out in the wash. I had some salsa at, at, at the Mexico pavilion restaurant uh, <laughs> san angel and uh it's still i'm still rocking hey it's it's a little piece of san angel you can't can't be mad at it and speaking of epcot kyle i see you're rocking the epcot shirt. Going, what, 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 what the are you epcot drinking shirt. what are you Look, wearing got the map on the back with all the curry we out here we got the walt disney world fits on um I, shout out to the homie in Nebraska because I am drinking that 805. <laughs> hey. yeah we um went to a wedding now a couple of weekends ago and uh i i rolled up to the grocery store and i need some drinks to bring for the the homies that were getting ready and i brought a pack of 805s and turned out no one wanted them so i brought them back home so now i got a six pack of 805s in the fridge which is not go. too bad for me so uh yeah sipping on some of this which is a tried and true classic can't go wrong with it as we talk about these wrong wrong songs uh so i'm i'm about it mandy What'd you sipping on? Uh, I'm on the cider train, so I got a little Ace Mango. Um, I recently found out I have developed a gluten allergy, which is oh. the most California girl thing ever. <laughs> um, so these are gluten free, and I'm excited. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. Oh man, are the beer days over? A lot of days are over. I had pancakes like the other weekend and just straight vomit. Uh, so we are hanging in there. Oh. Um, so a lot's going to change in my Disney eating habits. But here we go. So <laughs> oh, no. All yeah. right. Well, jeez. Resident cider drinker, I guess, for us. And uh... Yeah, it'll be like a lot of like pickles around Disney and maybe less churros, which R.I.P. But just vodka. Just, just, just vodka. Just vodka. <laughs> all right well we're back talking worst walt disney animated studios song of all time uh we we had a field of 16 terrible songs and these are songs that are just in disney animated movies no pixar movies no live action disney movies um and we are down to a round of eight songs and the round of eight looks like the number one seed what Made the Red Man Red from Peter Pan versus number eight, Mad Madam Mim from The Sword in the Stone. The number four seed, A Most Befuddling Thing from The Sword in the Stone versus number 12, Arabian Nights from Aladdin. Other side of the bracket, we have the number two seed, The Siamese Cat Song from Lady and the Tramp versus number seven seed, Peace on Earth from Lady and the Tramp. And then number three, Lack of Education from The Fox and the Hound versus number six, Great spirits from Brother Bear. My God. <laughs> what a what an awful playlist these yeah. eight songs would combine to make. Uh, uh, just go ahead and delete all of these from, from the Disney canon, and I think 
we're chilling. Totally. Nothing of value would be lost. Um, but let's, let's dive into it. Um, Kyle, you started the bracket last episode, so I'll kick things off with the number one seed. What made the red man red from Peter Pan versus number eight, Mad Madam Mim from the Sword in the Stone? So here's the thing is there are a few songs that we sort of like moved along last round that were like, they really didn't need a song here, but they felt the need to put one here for some reason, just to give it some musical elements. Mad Madam Mim was one of those songs, right? Uh, she's just running around her little witch cottage, trying to basically psych out Arthur. <laughs> she, she's basically just peacocking, doing a little flexing. Come and at Arthur, me. Come at me, bro. At, Come at me, bro. Arthur at the time. He's a, a bird. bird. Yeah, he's not even a real person. <laughs> he's just a bird. So uh, if she so, needed to be like, I know magic, he'd be like, I do too. Look, I am a bird right now. Nothing she, surprises me. She's doing her little uh, magic transformation. She's like, don't, I can be big as a house. Boom. I'm big as a house. I can turn my face into a pig face. I got a pig face. Guess what? I can turn into a baddie. Bam. Mm. I'm a mm. baddie. Uh, shaking my Shaking my waist. Shaking my <laughs> hips. Um, but I am not I am not a baddie. I choose to be mad madam mim. I'm an ugly yeah. old witch, and that's how I'm gonna be. Yep. The only thing is like the song that's not really a song. She's just sort of like singing those thoughts out loud. Sure. To yeah. very little music. Yep. Uh and, and like Part of me is like, yeah, we should advance things like that along because it just feels like a half attempt at a song. Mm -hmm. But I really want to get to the bottom of actual music that is actually bad. Right. Um, and what made the Red Man Red is an actual song and it is actually bad. Yeah. And we talked a lot last episode about a, a number of songs on this bracket that are problematic in many ways. And, and this is not the most problematic Disney song bracket. This is the worst Disney song bracket. And the good news for us is that what made the red man red is just as awful as it is racist. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there are obviously kids performing versions of Peter Pan today where they cast sort of native type Neverland characters and they leave the song in, but it slightly changed. It's changed to like what makes the brave girl brave or what makes the brave boy brave or whatever. Right. And they strip away all of those like racial elements to it. And the song still sucks, guys. <laughs> it's still a terrible still song. It's still a bad song. It's still bad. Uh, the the performer you mentioned, John Candy Candido Jr., was that his name? Yep. Wow, I nailed that after hearing it one time. I will <laughs> yeah. never forget that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, he puts on this like uh, ten packs a day smoker voice for it, dude, and um, it it makes it so that it's not a pleasing sound to listen to. Mm -hmm. A lot of my judgment of these songs like do i want to throw this on a playlist do i want to listen to listen to it again like do i want to sit around pop on let's pop on some what made the red man red absolutely not right. absolutely not uh the guy's voice is is just grating not nice to listen to 
other end of the spectrum, you know, you have people like um, Jody Benson mm-hmm. or Paige O'Hara, beautiful, beautiful singers in the Disney musical library. And then on the other hand is John Candy Candido Jr., who's just <laughs> absolutely grunting into a microphone trying to make the most awful sound possible. Yeah. Like, that's not a good song. Objectively, not a good song. Right. They're supposed to, they're playing up a certain stereotype of Native American people. Um, regardless, it's bad both ways. Here's the other thing. And like, I think what happens a lot is we move on these, uh, in these like music brackets, we end up kind of bringing in a lot of the visual elements of like maybe the musical sequence in uh, the animated movie. Cause these are these are Disney things. They're things that well, we have uh, strong memories of. So a lot of times it can be very hard to separate the two. Pink yep. Elephants on Parade is a good example of that. We talked about it last week where it was like, you know, when you're listening to that song, you're playing that sequence in your head. The thing with the like animation of the natives of what made the red man red, it's so, I understand what they were doing, um, but it's odd because they have animated this tribe in very I want to say ugly type of character models the woman that is constantly telling Wendy to go get wood same face as the queen of hearts exact same yeah yeah and it's like what are you what are you getting at what are you getting at (laughs) Disney by making them look this way but then you have, and, and mind you, their skin is like red, red. Yes. Um, which is not, it is a, that is stereotype. That is not anything close to what people of that racial background look like in real life. However, you have two, you have like the Tiger Lily character who yep. has a, a much more realistic looking skin tone. Yep. She, she's like animated like a, like a cute little girl. Right. Um, and she has kind of that princess face, that kind of princess body type. And she even gives Peter Pan a little lap dance. Right. Yes. And it, it, it just makes me so confused how they're sort of selective with like, let's make the people of the tribe super ugly and like people we don't want to watch on our screen. And then like, let's make like maybe the object of desire of our hero, like, mm. a, little bit, like a little bit more sexy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just, I don't like the, the difference, the inconsistency in the animation between, between the two, because like, what is that sort of saying about what's happening here? Yeah. I, I went on, um, Disney like fandom Wikipedia and I looked up like that page and it was just like scrolling along. What, what can we learn about this song? And I think there was like, and I mean, this is a Wikipedia page, so I'm sure like weirdos are the ones making edits on it. But there was like someone who, who dropped in an edit that was like under like the controversy section or something. And it was like, actually because, um, Neverland is like a place in the children's mind. The uh, tribe is actually like a child's, like it's supposed to be like a stereotyped like version of a tribe because like, that's what a child might like think of. It was just, it's just the hoops, the hoops people jump through for yeah. for Disney things when like it's totally okay to just say like that wasn't great and also the song's not very good. 
which is what Disney has done. Yeah. Like they, the reason why all of these movies still exist for streaming sans song of the South is that now we're throwing the disclaimer on the front. Like, listen, there's some not good things in here and there are some awful depictions of other races that are not white. And we recognize that, uh, but it's still in this film. So buckle up, get ready. They're reconciling with it. Children do not come out of their mother's womb knowing these stereotypes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's a learned behavior. I mean, I'm definitely not on team. Like let's scrub this. Like let's cut the scene out of the movie or like, let's take the movie off of Disney plus. Right. Um, they actually took this song out of the 1994 children's sing-along cassette version, which, like, that's an entirely different situation. Totally, yep, totally different situation. Um, you know, there's no... Uh, something like taking the scene out of the ride at Disneyland, like, that's, that's a different situation. Mm-hmm. Or, like, if they made a chief Disney 100 statuette for, mm-hmm. like... The, <laughs> These are all different, completely different situations, right? Yeah. Like the idea of like revising the history of the company is not like a one size fits all. Like let's remove it, you know? Totally. Um, unless it's a situation like Song of the South where like they, they set the precedent a long time ago. Long time ago. Uh, and maintaining consistency there. Like I, I have no problem with that. Uh, you know, this movie's already on Disney Plus and, and having the disclaimer and leaving it for like, we can still watch it. We cannot like it. Um, and we can move past it. Like, I think that's totally, that's totally okay. Len, like lucky for us, like I said, to lead things off, this is a song that like objectively is not a good yeah. song. So it's like just, you don't have little kids that are going to like go to school and start singing about what made the red man red. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so it's bad on both fronts. Um, <laughs> Which makes it easy for us. Up against Madam Mim, I think what made the red man red definitely moves on here. Yeah, that that's a perfect breakdown of the song, and that's a lot of the notes that I was going to jump into. It's it's not even just that this is a racist song. It's just it's just not a good one. Uh, and I brought that up last time. Like, if you're going to depict this kind of Native American gathering, then don't write it in the form of like a Davy Crockett. What like fable like that that is that in and of itself is this weird racist sort of stereotype of of these people um and just it, it it's just not fun to listen to in general a mad mad and mim isn't either uh but that's even less of like a song so how can we even qualify it as a song if it's not even really a song we have a an attempt at a song here at a point in which they're trying to explain some plot in a movie in which I know that Chris didn't necessarily love it a lot because it's got a, a choir in it, but like You Can Fly is a gorgeous song, in my opinion. And like now we're jumping over to this dude who is pretending to have this smoker's voice and like, you know, it, it's just jarring on all fronts, visually and, and auditorially. So I agree. Number one has to move on here, in my opinion, as well. Uh, Mandy, any, any, else anything else to add to to those takes there no yeah agreed and it's it's interesting too that we're talking about kind of the, the play and the music from the play that they based this song on because i was actually part of that play as a child hey. i know that song and that song 
it's still awful but it's like for the animated version they were like we're gonna make it 10 times worse and like also just you know not not good musically composition wise like i think the more and more we we dig into it it seems like it was just a kind of like joke song inserted to like make these caricatures but we'll, we'll get into it later um more deeply but agreed i think mad madaman it it shouldn't have been a song it should have just been a monologue but still uh, a lot more entertaining than than the number one all right, let's move on to this next matchup here of the Elite Eight. It's the number four, A Most Befuddling Thing versus number 12, Arabian Nights. And A Most Befuddling Thing definitely sounds like the Sherman brothers who wrote that song attempting to bring back their like Winnie the Pooh whimsy, hmm. where it's like we are going to discuss a scenario, a feeling, a situation in which people are probably going to encounter, but let's put it into the context of animals uh, so that it's easy to understand and to learn something from if you are a child. The only issue here is that like you have, you don't have the endearing Winnie the Pooh. You don't have the endearing Piglet or the Eeyore to sing this thing. You have Merlin, who has been a spaz this entire time that we've watched this film. So not only to have him sing about it, have him as a squirrel sing about it, but then the context within the film of just this chaotic like chase scene between Arthur and this this lady squirrel is just bizarre. And Chris, you brought up last time, like, yeah, we're talking about songs and it's sometimes we attach the context of these Disney songs to the film and and should we do that? But like, it wasn't until probably like the 90s that we were able to kind of separate Disney songs from their films. Like the Disney didn't get into music until they released the soundtrack for Snow White, which was the very first soundtrack ever released for a film. So like they set the precedent of like these these songs are going to be attached to this movie, but we're not really putting them onto like the charts except for Who's Afraid of the Big Bad Wolf, which was a song that did chart that had a lot of different contextual situations because they're in the Great Depression. There's a, it's a very, you know, optimistic little guy defeats the big bad sort of song. But up until like you get the Mencken era and the Ashman era who are providing these massive songs, these big Broadway type songs are people saying like, that sounds like a Disney song. That sounds like a Disney song. So when you're talking about something like a most befuddling thing, like talking about it within the context of the film is really important because we're not listening to this thing separately. <laughs> like this is this is a song that like needs that that accompaniment of the action on the screen. And both are bad. Like the song is not good. Uh, the action that's happening on the screen is not good. A lot of the points in that film feel very filler. It's kind of like Pink Elephants on Parade. That song's probably five minutes because they needed to fill the five minutes. It was a short movie to begin with. Sword in the Stone has that same feeling. We're going to make Arthur encounter all of these wacky scenarios so that we can fill time within our reel here so that we can at least get over the hour mark on this feature-length film. And this song is, is part of that, especially because the song's only like a minute long. Like It feels so unnecessary in all aspects. Uh, it's, just, it's just not great i'm not a big fan of the most befuddling thing and having it up against arabian nights 
which we talked about last time, kind of what it was saying about this made up Middle Eastern place that is building on stereotypes uh, that we might have conceived of folks that are from the Middle East, um, especially in a time like, you know, this came out in the mid 90s. And then we start having a lot of conflict in the Middle East that this is not helping whatsoever. Um, at the same time, like in my mind, at least it's not Siamese cat, at least it's not what makes the red man red. Uh, and they did some revisions to it to get it over the finish line. Are they perfect? No. Uh, and 2019, they tried to make it even more perfect. And I think they did that. We're talking about the animated one here. Thing about the animated one is that like that music goes, dude. I think the Arabian Nights music goes. Hmm. I like it a lot. Uh, it's a, it's one of those intro songs that really gets me read, not just ready for the film because it is building stylistically on like this place that it's supposed to be in, but also because it just it's an earworm type of song. It's one that like entrances you. You're ready. It's a title sequence. You're you're at the top of the film. You're ready to jump into it. Uh, so like that, that's a part for me where you brought up last time, like, is the music good? Like, I, I like this music. Alan Menken does a great job with this music and I don't think he does it offensively. He's not doing the Oriental riff. He's not doing even like the, I will call it like the Middle Eastern riff that Disney is so well known for the like snake charmer type riff. Like that is bad. And they were doing that in every Mickey short. <laughs> like every single time someone shook their hips, it would be the dun 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 dun. They didn't go there there with this mm. one. And like thank God they didn't. Um, so I think it, it that just makes a little bit more sense. So honestly, I'm gonna, you know, I'll put my neck on this line here. I'm going to say that Arabian Nights is the better song. I think a most befuddling thing is the worst song because it is disney's attempt at telling stories in a sherman brothers way and it misses the mark and it's boring and it's bad while arabian nights i think is passable here's the thing about merlin actually no here's the thing about drake oh oh (laughs) here's the thing about merlin scratch that here's the thing about drake (laughs) everyone knows drake can rap yes but we all know that Drake can't sing. Yes. And we all know that Merlin can throw down on a little hijitus fidgetus. Sure. <laughs> zoom, prestidigitonium. Yeah. But we all know that when he tries to sing. Yeah. It's just not, it's just not there. <laughs> Merlin is a much better rapper than he is a singer. Uh, I think it's plain to see. Sure. So it makes a most befuddling thing a very hard listen because the performer just, he just doesn't have the pipes. Yeah. Also, from a like content perspective, what he's actually singing about, you kind of broke it down. It's about nature. He's trying to say like science, we can make predictions, but love doesn't abide by the rules of science. It's the rules of nature, bro. Right. But I'm getting Beauty and the Beast vibes somewhat from what he's saying because in this sequence, like, Arthur is a little little boy squirrel now. (laughs) And then he's got the babe squirrel who's all trying to feel him up and stuff. And essentially what Merlin is saying is like, 
you just got to let it happen, dude. Mm. Mm-hmm. It does, like, mm-hmm. You can't just say like, I want this. I want that. Whatever. What, what, look, you just got to give in to that primal instinct. <laughs> right. And like, if, that's my, that's my problem with beauty and the beast. So like when I hear this most befuddling thing situation, I am a little bit reminded of beauty and the beast, which I don't sure. like. Speaking of beauty and the beast. On the other side of this matchup, we've got Arabian Nights. Now, you broke down a lot of the stylistic elements very well. I have nothing else to say. The song does go. Like, I will not argue that. It does go a little bit. It does go. Oftentimes, when it comes to Disney music, I really concern myself with what does this song add to the movie? What does this song add to a character? Because I think that that is the best use of any Disney song. Candle on the Water. This is a moment when our hero, hero heroine? heroine? A moment yeah. when our heroine is saying, <laughs> look, this is what I want to be. This is my I want song. Area, sure. part of your world. I want that. Arabian Nights, I don't think it does what it could be doing. Mm. A great comparison Frozen Heart from Frozen. Okay. It's another song that's a yeah. little short, that's just, just kind of okay. But the song is about ice and making the comparison to frozen hearts and to be careful of a frozen heart because you can't melt that. Sure. Yep. Arabian Nights is basically singing about how hard it is, how hard Agrabah is. Mm-hmm. It's tough. Hey, this place is tough. You got to look out for number one. Yeah, you got to be which tough is, to which, be here. Which, which, that is Aladdin's like thing is that he sort of starts off as like, I'm in this for me. Yes. And he ends with like, I got one wish, but guess what? You're free. I'm going to let you go, Genie. However, he never really has that sort of struggle. Aladdin. He never really has to sort of decide between himself and someone else. Whenever a new person joins his crew, Genie, Jasmine, Magic Carpet, he's never really like, leave me alone. (laughs) I can't. I can't. I can only be alone. Yeah. He's always like, you know what? Join my team. We're cool. It's really his whole transformation is more about like identity than anything, right? It's like, you shouldn't be going after the girl by like trying to make yourself look sick. Like you should just be yourself, you know, and just be yep. thinking about what they want because you never know. They could be looking for the person that you already are. And so Arabian Nights, like they could just, like they needed to add some of that stuff into this song because this is the first song you're setting up the theme of the movie and we're trying to kind of figure out where the story's going to go. And it just basically, it just, it just it doesn't quite do it for me. The new Haunted Mansion movie. Not a song, but they do like a little like little speech from um, Jamie Lee Curtis, Madame Leota. She's like, New Orleans funerals, they're mm-hmm. super sad, and then they're super fun. The transition from grief to joy is there if you want to step through that door. Mm-hmm. And then you're, it, when you hear it, you're kind of like, Okay, random wisdom, but guess what? That's what the movie's about. Sure. Beauty and the Beast, prologue, which transforms 
Prince Adam. Is that his name? F boy Adam. <laughs> you know, he's, he's, he's acting a fool. So she turns him into a beast. They end the, the prologue with the line for who could ever love a beast. Right. That's what the movie's going to be about. Now, this Arabian night, like what are you left with? With Arabian Nights, it's it's hard out here, you know. Yeah. So I don't know. I think from a story perspective, leaves a lot to be desired. So I'm going to move Arabian Nights on. Ooh. I think most befuddling thing, even though he does Merlin doesn't have the pipes, even though uh, it has kind of weird, kind of some weird vibes in there. I'm gonna move Arabian Nights on because I think it is a song that tries hard but spectacularly fails. So, Mandy, you are breaking a tie. Ooh. ooh, ooh. All right. So this is kind of tough because I do feel like, hmm, I feel like we're kind of up against two different songs. One is like a song that should have never been a song. uh, Let's be real. And then the other one is a song that's had just a lot of really poor choices associated with it. (laughs) It doesn't really seem to have a purpose. Um. I think in this case, I am, I'm going to have to move a most befuddling thing on because it definitely gives stranger danger vibes. Let me just, let me just read a, a lyric from Merlin that's in the actual song. It's the simplest attraction of the birds and the bees. He literally drops birds and the bees. He's taking Arthur up in this tree. He's like, all right, time to be a man, squirrel boy. Go get it. Like, it is so freaking creepy. I don't know why they decided to, like, add that lyric in a Disney movie. It is squirrel, squirrel guy getting his nut. Oh, my gosh. It is the strangest choice. So I'm going to have to move on that. Arabian Nights has, you know, eh, like I, I think it it's just a little less weird than than that. So. <laughs> hey, more like Hidgetus Pimpitus. <laughs> hey. <laughs> I'll also say that I think what Mankin and Ashman were trying to do was refer to the what is it, One Thousand and One Nights? Uh that is the original or uh, Middle Eastern folk tales that mm. the Aladdin story exists in. And one of the stories is called Arabian Nights. The other one is called Aladdin and his Lamp. The other one is called Alibaba and the 40 Thieves. So like they're trying to set up that this is all part of the Arabian Nights, the one 1001 Nights folk tales set from the Middle East. Um, but that obviously doesn't come through and you don't know that unless you're talking about it on a podcast. <laughs> so, so there's that. All right, let's move on. All right. We're hopping over to the other side of the bracket where we have the number two seed, the Siamese cat song versus number seven peace on earth. Now I will say, you know how like there's those fake like Facebook posts about how like two year old kids, three year old kids like do something woke. And it's like, yeah. okay, they, they didn't actually do that. It's like, yeah, I was just driving down the street. My three-year-old was like, mom, there's so much injustice in the world. <laughs> <laughs> but, I did, but, but I will say, when I was like a little baby, with my very first Disney cassette tape, I always had my mom skip the Siamese cat song. You know what's crazy? Opposite. I asked <laughs> for the Siamese cat song. I have like a very vivid memory 
and I could put myself in a place. This is one of those like toddler scenes that like just stick with you for whatever reason. My parents taught in San Jose and we lived in Hollister. So every morning we would have to drive from Hollister to San Jose, which is about 45 minutes. We'd get dropped off at one of my parents' students' parents' houses and be babysat during the school day. And so we're driving the same old route. We're doing the same old thing. And I remember passing this area in San Jose that I ended up living in in my adult life later on, which was crazy. And driving past this, like, there's like a fountain that's going off. And I asked for the cat song, the cat song, because I thought that beat was doing something. Because low key, it was doing something. It is doing something. And it's not something great. It's not something great. So I'll expose myself. But that your boy had that thing on repeat. I, I was a skip. I was a skip, <laughs> baby. I was like, well, skip that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I and and like listen, the rhyme. We are Siamese, if you please. It just off the bat, it just, it, it just it's the lowest effort line lines ever rhymed by anyone ever even worse than taylor swift's cars bars thing you know yeah i also they think even it's they even eventually just re- we are siamese if you please what can we rhyme with that <laughs> throw in another please yeah we are siamese if you don't please we just, I, we just rhyme all of it together i think it's playing off the stereotype of broken english Oof. unfortunately yeah. like i and, think that's what it is and that's the other thing about this song that is tough for me is that the broken English in it is so <sighs> obviously like overdoing the stereotype. Thousand percent. The, the way they talk is not great. The way they speak is just unrealistic. Yeah. You know, it's like, that's not, if you talked like that, you just wouldn't even speak English. Like you would just speak in your native language. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's almost like bad to the point where it it's not even like it's not even it misses the stereotype that they're trying to make. Totally. And then you've got Peace on Earth, the number seven seed, which is our AI generated an AI generated Christmas song. Yeah. And it feels so out of place, I think, in Lady and the Tramp that if you played this, I would I would say that people might be like, I don't even know I don't even know what this could be from. Because so little of Lady and the Tramp occurs at Christmas time. Like it's just they they lady comes out the box. At Christmas, and then after that, like we just move on to like another season. Yep. Uh, and so it's weird that they spend so much. They don't spend a lot of time, but they spend a lot of like focus on it being Christmas and it being this magical moment and it being like little peaceful baby's day. <laughs> uh, I I don't really. I I guess I don't really get it. Yeah. Like. Is it trying to say that like a baby puppy is like Jesus? I don't like, I don't know because puppies are crazy. Yeah. I think what it's trying to do is like, 
exactly what Walt was doing in the 1950s, which was romanticizing Americana. So like Mm -hmm. Christmas at the turn of the century, which is when this film takes place, 19 early 1900s, late 1800s is a nostalgic time of prosperity, of change, of peace before the wars began. Hmm. Right. Uh, And it is just a romanticized version of the great American dream, which is this Victorian house, husband and wife. They're expecting a kid. His gift that he gets for her is this dog, just as Walt did for his wife in the same manner. Hmm. Dog in a hat box. That is how he gifted Lillian her first dog. So like... It's just a, you know, what is more Christmas than a Christmas carol in this peaceful snowy town? And I would imagine that the Cocker Spaniel was like a very, like, not exotic dog, but one that represented like, you know, it was like a foo-foo dog. You that's know? such a great, yeah, that's such a great question. I'm going to actually look well, well, I mean, like that lady in the tramp, like that's the, that's the movie. It's a, a dog who is of higher class sure. than yeah. oh, the, totally, street, totally, the street totally. dog. And they still fall in love with each other because he teaches her that eating <laughs> trash tastes good too. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's really tough. It's really tough because, again, like it's not a, for me about like what is the most problematic Disney song, but this Siamese cat song just really sucks too. Uh, it's just like, do I think that the the randomness of the Christmas song, the annoyingness of the Christmas song, and just the lack of depth in the lyrics moves it on to the next round? I think it does. I think I'm going to move the Christmas song on. It was the only one that made me legit like mad that I had to listen to it. Uh, so I'm moving number seven, Peace on Earth on. The Siamese cat song is like unlistenable. Like unlistenable. So with Peace At on least Earth? with... At least with Peace on Earth, like you understand that this is a Christmas song. And if it happened to be on in the background of like a party, you'd be like, yeah, that's a Christmas song. If you're throwing Siamese cat song on in the back of anything, you, everyone's going to be like, what actually is this? Because it is bad. You want to clear it's, a room? Play the throw, Siamese cat. Throw the cats on, dude. Who? Okay. Without Googling it, and maybe you're, you guys already know. What? Disney Mania artist covered Siamese oh. cat song. With the boots. <laughs> it's the two. It's been on two Disney Mania albums. Two different artists have covered it. Both Haley and Hillary Duff and B5. And Dude. that was awful. <laughs> awful. The Hillary Duff one, at least like she doesn't do any of like the accents and it's they they modernize and put some pop behind the song so it sounds a little bit less of of an offensive song but in the middle there's a breakdown that involves the oriental riff and and then it the wheels have completely fallen off (laughs) it's a tough listen i i think i'm gonna go ahead and move on the siamese cat song because of that reason like it's just a tough listen it's not one that is necessarily like great in the film uh, it's not one that feels very like Disney in stature. It's very similar to what made the Red Man Red. Like the the song itself, the music itself, like, you know, four-year-old me thought it banged, but like now it it just doesn't sound like anything I'd ever want to listen to. Almost like they are trying so hard 
to nail the stereotype that they've overshot it completely and it sounds inauthentic to anything. Uh, so I'm going to move on the Siamese cat song past Peace on Earth, which means, Mandy, you're going to break that tie. I Yeah, I think it's obvious I'm, I'm going to choose the Siamese cat song too. Um, I, I think one of my favorite games that I play with Powerhouse Tests is, is our Disney Power Hour, where um, if we get to this song, we're supposed to finish our drink uh i can apparently do that but it is so bad that we literally just have to chug our way through whatever the rest of the alcohol we're drinking um and you know donald novice i have to you know for i i think chris your your analysis of this being like a chat gpt christmas song is so funny and on point but um i do love his dulcet tones um i gotta give it that it's nice nice little sleepy Sleepy Donald Nova song, um, but the the Siamese cat song being sung by freaking Peggy Lee. I know that's crazy. <laughs> is insane. Is insane. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll, we're gonna move on. Uh, Siamese cat song here. And with peace on earth, I I said I'd bring this up this episode, and I brought it up on the best Disney GIF. Uh, it is a song that is basically like their modern day chat gbt like the writer of the song wrote the music to the words of silent night and like in musical terms and somebody who writes music and and makes music that probably makes a lot of sense broke my brain a little bit but the lyrics of silent night inspired the music of this song and then they put over the essence of silent night into lyrics for peace on earth so it's just it's literally just like how can we formulate a robotic Christmas carol that sounds like Silent Night that gives you the feel of Silent Night without actually being Silent Night so we don't have to buy the rights? You get peace on Earth. Silent Night That's at home. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Next matchup here at the final four. Nope. Lead eight. End of the lead eight. Number three, lack of education from Fox and the Hound versus number six, great spirits. Went very in-depth on top of my soapbox about what lack of education the song in the context of the film represents from the mammy stereotype to the i didn't even say this but almost like the the song of the south like magical negro type where it's like the mm. black person just happens to know everything that is always happening uh, even though they are busy taking care of people that aren't theirs and you know just that stereotype is baked into this as well but throw that context out the door and you have this like spoken half attempt at like a jazz song that is supposed to be teaching this lesson of the world's a lot more dangerous than you think. Uh, you need to be careful about who you interact with. And that in and of itself feels very like obviously this this film is supposed to be that two worlds come together. They're from different places. They, it would never work and they're going to find a way to make it work. But to have this character deliver it in this way is just so counterproductive. Uh, and also, like, it's not a good song. Like, it's just it, they didn't lean into the musicality of it. They let her sing this professional jazz singer who has made her living on on performing jazz songs. They give her the song that is. Uh, it is a royalty free version and then make her speak. For most of it so it's like it's just not a good song great spirits 
is also not a great song, but I think it's more of like a bizarre song than like a not good song. Like it, everything about it just feels uncanny valley. You're like, you know, Tina Turner, but you don't believe that's Tina Turner. You know, it's Phil Collins. You know that it's this pop type ballad song, but it doesn't quite reach that. And so everything just feels a little bit bizarre. And out of context, you wouldn't even know it's attached to a Disney film. Like it, this just, who knows where this would have come from. Chris hasn't even seen Brother Bear. If he heard this in the wild, he wouldn't be able to pick out probably that this is from a Disney film. So like, does that also, does that make it a bad Disney song? Does that like make it even a worse Disney song if we can't even identify it as one? Uh, it, it's tough. So I think, I think because of that reasoning, I'm actually going to move number six on past lack of education. I think that lack of education fits into the trope of like a character diving into an explanation, doing it in song form that is going to inform the rest of the plot uh, in some sort of way. Do they do it well? No. Great Spirits is supposed to inform us about this, the background of this culture and set up a lot of the plot for the rest of the film as well. But we get distracted and we get <laughs> confused throughout it because it's attached to a montage with a singer that we recognize, but we don't really believe it's her and a, a vibe that doesn't even really fit with that Disney film. I think that just makes it the worst Disney song here. So I think Great Spirit should move on. I, you know what I'm sort of getting from lack of education? Maybe, maybe Mandy, you can sort of back me up on it if you think it's right. But I'm getting a little like Music Man in the oh. like, it, it's like a little You Got Trouble in River City sort of like the way that it's almost like talking, but also singing at the same time. Yeah, and it's kind of interesting because, like, I got a little bit of, like, Abraham DeLacy vibes from it for whatever freaking yeah. Like, it just has that same kind of, like, talky, like, pace to it. Yeah, it's a very just kind of, like, that, 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 yeah, it's, yeah. So I definitely pick up on the Harold Hill music vibes, man vibes, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I just, I don't think there's enough there for me to move it on as a song is the only mm. thing. So, so I'm going to agree with you and move Great Spirits on to the final four just for being just a weird musical mess. Uh, Mandy, would you have done the same? Yeah, it's weird because these, both these songs I just forgot existed. <laughs> um, and like, I even like right now, like I'm struggling to remember how they both go. Uh, (laughs) I think, yeah, I'm all good moving on great spirits because especially like in, I I think Kyle, to your point, like with two talents and like there's good songs in Brother Bear. What happened with Tina Turner? Like what happened with this one? This had the potential to be so great and it just completely fell fell flat. So um, yeah, no, all good with that one moving on here. You got great spirits. You got welcome to my family time. Welcome to my family time. And there's a travel <laughs> song, isn't there? What oh, yeah, the- on my way. There we go. Yeah, bangers. All right. Y'all, we're down to our final four. Number one seed, what made the red man red versus... Number four, most befuddling thing, and number two, Siamese Cat Song versus number six, Great Spirits. The cream has risen to the top game. Uh, We've got what made the red man red, the problematic mess uh, that just doesn't sound very good as a song either versus 
Number four, most befuddling thing, which is sort of a not quite a song, but is sort of an attempt at one. Yeah. I mean, I just, I don't know. Like, I really like the idea of this, the winner of this bracket being something that at least people know. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and what made the red man red, I don't, I, I, I'm sure you would find very few people, if any, that would say what made the red man red. That's a, that's a great song. I love that song. Uh, let's go ahead and just pause to remember the cultural moment that was the cowboy versus Indians obsession that was exactly. occurring like around the time of this movie. Yes. Uh, and you sort of mentioned when we started this episode that a lot of these songs were, were, were products of their time. doesn't excuse them, but it's obvious that they're sort of marketing towards a certain appeal uh, and and at this time, kids were kids were into that. They were into the cowboy versus Indian thing, just like now they're into Bluey and Roblox. Is that what <laughs> kids are into nowadays? Oh yeah, know. sounds right. Sure. Um, and uh, and I mean, I'm I don't know that this factors in, but they could not conceive the idea of us being able to watch these films in any other format than in a movie theater uh, totally. when they were originally being produced. But totally. Um, yeah, it's definitely got to be what made the red man red here. Yeah, we've said all that we really can about it. Um, and there's not a whole lot of justifications for it existing, uh, in this 2023 lens. And that's where we're reporting from. And that's how we got to see it. Uh, so I agree. What makes the red man red? Uh, number one seed moves to the finals. Mandy expected. Yeah. Pretty expected. Although the one funny thing I will say about most befuddling thing is um, uh, my husband and I recently realized that we are the Merlin and woman squirrel. Um, <laughs> that is our relationship dynamic. Like, <laughs> and the British man going like, <laughs> like, uh, so I will say, I appreciate the animation sequence. I got a kick out of it now watching it. Um, but yeah, uh, <laughs> it's not much of a song, is it? So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, who's going to meet in the finals? Number two, the Siamese Cat Song versus number six, Great Spirits. And this is, you know, we've we've dove in all the way in that we can. And I don't think that I really have a ton much to say about it. Um, I think that Siamese Cat Song suffers from what, from what, what makes the Red Man Red does, which is this attempt at like, this cultural link to what who the character is but like here with these cats is even worse it's even worse because these are just these are cats <laughs> and like they are siamese cats yes but like siamese cats don't have slanted eyes they don't have black teeth and they don't meow in an accent like these it's just so crazy that they made this caricature and it gets crazier when you watch something like, I don't know, the Aristocats, right? And you see the character uh, caricatures there too. And so this song within the context of the animation, and I even talked about like the scene itself or the song itself. The song is about these two mischievous cats, Siamese cats, who are trying to mess up this house that Aunt Sarah is babysitting Lady at. And blaming the dog on messing up the house. We this is 1955. We are just a decade removed from the villainization of Asian people in the biggest world war ever. 
And here we are depicting these Asian characters as like being sneaky and destructive. Like that is a tough look. Now that we can look back on on history, like that is that if you're talking about building on stereotypes, those are some very recent stereotypes that are adding to a very uh, pervasive prejudice against an entire people. And if you you live here in the Bay Area, like San Francisco is a place in which that was happening more so than a lot of other places. Like it's just blows my mind. It, it's crazy that 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 happened and that we keep doing it. Um, so like that is also very disturbing about the Siamese cat song. So like when you listen to that, when you listen to what made the red man red and you're listening to them, you know, back to back, it is just like, what are we doing here? And why like these songs don't even fit into the movies that we're, we're thinking they're connected to native Americans, Peter Pan. Why Siamese cats and a lady in tramp. Why? Like it, it's just so bizarre. Um, it's up against a bad song in great spirits, but like, what can you do? Old Tina Turner, you got Phil Collins, they're making a montage song. What are you going to expect out of a, a dud of a film, animated film that didn't really get traction? Like, it's kind of expected at that point. Uh, it's aspirational and it's reflecting on, you know, ancestral themes. Feels pretty Disney. So I, I think I just have to go with the Siamese cat song to the finals and have this one two discussion of like what truly is the worst. Uh, so Brother Bear came out in 2003 okay. and something I said at the beginning of this episode, I like that a lot of these, the, this, this journey through the Disney song history is a journey through music history. Uh, 2003, what, what were you two listening to in, in 2003? Just, just simple plan, baby. Simple plan. Yeah, it's 2003 was whatever was on the radio and then replaying, replaying, replaying. Actually, 2003 is probably about the time in which I'm starting to get into something like Good Charlotte. I'll, I'll go ahead and read you some of like the top Billboard songs yeah. of November 2003 when this oh. movie came out. Let's go. Yeah. Number one, Baby Boy. Beyonce featuring Sean Paul. Oh, yeah. Stand up. Ludicrous. Yes. <laughs> wow. Hey, hey, ya. Outcast. Okay. My personal favorite. Holiday Inn. Chingy. Yep. Da- <laughs> down from the number three spot has fallen into number four. Another outcast, outcast song. The way, the way you move. Yep. Yep. Uh, we've got Young Bloods, Baby Bash, Lil John and the East Side Boys with it with Get Low at number 10, R. Yep. Kelly, Kellis, Milkshake, G Unit. Uh, and at the number six spot with Here Without You, Three Doors Down. <laughs> oh my God. So um, before I even looked this up, uh, just straight off the dome, I remember the early 2000s as being this very kind of like odd era of especially popular music because it was kind of before the hip hop influence had really permeated into any other genre beyond hip hop itself, which was which was popular. Um, but it was like the sort of like grunge era gave way to the pop punk era and the the last vestiges of like true rock and roll were like three doors down. This was Jimmy Eat World's moment. 
was the oh, early yes, 2000s, you know? Yeah. And so not that the rock and roll was bad at the time. It was just feeling really sort of like, uh, a little bit like, what's the word I'm looking for? Like it was a lot of the, um, things were splitting into rock and roll subgenres at the time. And so like the true rock and roll was fading. Uh, And so you had Matchbox 20, Three Doors Down, Jimmy Eat World that were like popular amongst like rock and roll listeners maybe, but like it was falling out of favor with popular music. And so this Brother Bear, Great Spirit situation, this is Disney not quite committing to the (laughs) hip hop stuff yet. Yeah. Yeah. And moving moving past Mencken and Ashman and those guys. Like we are we're sort of trying to find our new sound of the new decade. Uh and they went with Phil Collins for Tarzan and it really worked. And they go yeah. back to um Phil Collins for a second time. Uh and what we get is this sort of like like you said, Kyle, it's an uncanny valley. It's neither here nor there. It's a sound that just isn't quite distinct it doesn't feel distinctly disney it doesn't feel distinctly popular it's really just sort of like bleh. and yeah. and and i know i don't want to offend you mandy but like the treasure planet song uh that <laughs> one that's the credit song what is that one called yeah, well, when he's like, planet, we're talking about me the robinsons no when i'm talking about treasure planet what's that treasure planet song that's like um uh i'm still here that's the one I'm still here from Treasure Planet. Like it's the same kind of situation where you have this yes. like rock song that looking back has not aged very well. <laughs> yeah. You know, like stuck in time. I mean, oh yeah, the you, John Resnick. I forgot about that one. Yes. Yes. It, 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 it I'm trying to think of like a different sort of genre. You could you could listen to something like a Helen Reddy from um Pete's Dragon and be like, yeah. oh yeah, that that was a popular sound at the time. I think it still sounds pretty good today. For me, that that is I'm Just a Kid by Simple Plan being featured and cheaper by the dozen. Like that is the quintessential late 2000s family film sound is like that. Into Deep by Sum 41. Like that pop punk type era of the late 2000s being associated with the family genre is just ingrained in my mind. I'm sure Daddy Daycare had something like that. You know, like it's, yes, thousand percent. I'll I'll throw another one at you. Uh, Damn it. Blink-182 in the Bubble Boy soundtrack. Yes. Oh, Bubble Boy. I have have a feeling that movie has probably not aged well, but hey, shout out to (laughs) Beetlejuice. I'm glad he's having a resurgence right now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anyways. Um, Yeah, like I'm sort of... I'm sort of appreciative of this like great spirits thing Mm. being on this bracket that like, I like the idea of there being Disney songs where they just didn't get it. Yeah. You know, right. And and, like for every, um, you know, I don't know, under the sea, there are honestly more, great spirits out there in the in the Disney library. So I don't know. I'm feeling kind of crazy. I think I'm going to move great spirits from Brother Bear on here. I think I'm going to sure. let Mandy break the tie for the finals. Sure. To go to the finals. Okay. This is kind of tough. Um, 
Just because, yeah, I really, really like all the arguments you made, Chris. Like, I really, like, just kind of even, like, taking that deep dive into music history, it makes that song actually make a whole lot of sense for me about why it was just so forgettable. Um, Man, so it's tough because you just, I think I have to go back with, like, okay, I know we brought up this example of, like, if you turn this on at a party, I kind of feel like great spirits would be passable. People wouldn't really like get it. They'd be like, all right, but it would be <laughs> at least listenable. The Siamese cat song is just like straight, like what the f Sorry, I curse. <laughs> um, but like, I, you know, I think it's just, um, it is so out there and so bizarre and so weird. And the fact that Disney still uses it for things is so wild to me that it just has a continued shelf life way past i mean even when it, the movie came out it was not okay and we're still using it uh one of my the interesting facts i found on, on again disney wiki was that for um the flicks musical adventure sing-along songs they had a like animal kingdom section and for the Asia section, they use this melody. It's wild. They didn't use the, the lyrics, but they use this melody for the Asia section. It's like it's wild. You gotta stop. <laughs> yeah. So I yeah, let's let's get into the, the top two. I think I think we knew that this might be the, the way it went, and and here we are. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's the number one seed, What Made the Red Man Red from Peter Pan versus number two, the Siamese Cat song from Lady and the Tramp. For me, it's not that hard. It's the Siamese Cat song. Uh, I think that it just feels like the lowest effort of a song before you even get into all of the racial elements. Uh, and the racial elements that are there are also extremely low effort. Uh, in what made the red man red, they were a little bit creative with some of their stereotypes <laughs> that they threw in there. With the Siamese cat song, it was just the lowest base level, uh, you know, judgments you can make about somebody. It's just, it's not a very enjoyable song to listen to. But like Mandy said, there is a record, this song is recognizable. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's why it makes it the worst disney song because it's one that people still know uh and could probably sing it and they know the melody and that is the part that is the most like disheartening to me i think about it is that it was on a lot of greatest hits cds it was, it was on those compilation cassettes uh and so it's like it's prominent it's not great and it's still prominent so i have the number two seed winning this thing i have no argument i agree I, I, what you said is exactly it. It is just the lowest of the low, the least amount of effort, and it's just poorly done uh, from all aspects. And it deserves that win. And, uh, you know, as we usually do at the end of every bracket, we are going to cop it out. But I, I don't know. Do we cop it out Let's for boom. the worst? Let's do we do Let's <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. All right. Well, as I said at the top of, of episode one, I had a feeling that this is where we were going to get and it ended up being where we were. Um, two just poor taste songs that were poorly executed. One that just happened to be even worsely executed than the other. Um, Mandy, what do you think about where we landed? Uh, do you have any other thoughts about you know some of the songs that were on here? 
Chris's argument for a great spirit is like a thousand percent. Like that changed my entire opinion on that as well. Oh my gosh. If anything, I'm inspired now to go and find out what the top songs were uh, from each era yeah. and match it to Disney. I'm, I'm going to research I gotta, Chris. That, that blew I got to send you guys so. a video because um, there was something I found that was like every number one song for every month since 1980. And it's like two hours, but it's like 30 seconds. Uh-huh. And you just like, you experience music history That's good. of like our era uh and it's really fun i'll send it to you but but yeah i mean go, get down on some old music people yeah. leave lizzo like put her on the shelf for a while <laughs> they like you're 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 paused uh and let, just go back listen to some of that elvis <laughs> listen to some of that Led zeppelin yeah to- listen to some uh tomorrow is another day uh i don't know about uh, all that all right yeah. mandy thank you so much for being <laughs> a guest host yet again on another mouse madness bracket we really appreciate your time and your opinions and your your takes even at the top of this show. Uh, and we can't wait to have you back again. Oh, this is so much fun. I love being on this uh, bracket in particular uh, and uh, feel inspired to do some music research. So, yeah. All right, everyone, you know how to reach us. If you have something to say about these awful Disney songs, if you have a pink elephant tattoo right now, uh, email us at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com. Put us up on social media. All of our channels are linked in the description of this podcast. If you'd like to support us on Patreon, head over to patreon.com slash mousemadness and join us at the $5 level where you'll have access to things like two bonus Mouse Madness episodes a month, access to the occasional Disney vlog, uh, right to vote on bracket topics, just ability to interact with the boys and the squad, uh, and perhaps most importantly, an invite to our seasonal Disney trivia event, uh, fall event coming soon, probably. Probably. Uh, um, folks, thank you for listening to another bracket, and I will just leave you with this: peace, my children. Goodwill. Peace, my children. Peace, be still. 